this segment we call Happy Facts. We bring in our two favorite happiness contributors, Live Happy Section Editor Chris Libby. Hello. And our Live Happy Science Editor Paula Phelps. Hey. And what we do in this segment is we gather around in the studio and share our favorite facts as they relate to positive psychology that we have found in the last week, and we discuss them. And then Paula takes all of the pretty little facts, puts them in a pretty little blog that you can find on livehappy.com, and uh, you can get more information. So uh, please do so. Don't do it while you're driving. If you're in the car right now, please uh, pull over and do it on the side of the highway on your phone. (laughs) That would be the best uh, bet. But let's start with our facts this week, and we'll start with Libby's fact. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, my fact is science may have unlocked the secret to thriving. Thriving? Yes, which we know goes hand in hand with happiness. Absolutely. You're b- going to be happier if you're thriving. It only stands to reason. But what's the scientific basis here? Well, researchers from the University of Portsmouth uh, in the United Kingdom uh, or maybe it's Portsmouth. I don't know. One it depends <laughs> on the accent, I think. Yeah, they found that people who thrive consist- consistently feel good about life themselves and happen to be really good at something. So thriving, they found this formula that thriving people, uh, they don't have to have all of these traits, but they're usually optimistic, uh, motivated, proactive, uh, socially competent. And then when you mix that with opportunity, social support, uh you have you're trusted as being a competent person so there mix those things together and then uh you're you're probably a thriving person a lot of these things to me almost like i because i'm not at sciencey like you guys are i almost wonder if they're chicken and egg things like do people thrive because they are this way or is it they're thriving that that makes them uh, more optimistic in the future like if you're doing pretty good at your job things are looking better for you if you're yeah. not doing so good you're not going to be so optimistic uh, maybe there's a little ebb and flow give and take on that what do you think paula i think you're onto something because i looked at the study that that chris had found and it did talk about these certain situations and those things are going to change because yeah like a great opportunity or, or a lot of support from your family or from a job a calm environment things like that um, and so those things are going to change and they kind of indicated that that's where resilience kicks in like if you say you're optimistic and you're motivated but now you're in a sucky job then you're not going to be thriving as well but that's where your resilience kicks in and kind of carries you through until you get back to a place where that other part of the equation lines up with your optimism and your motivation and then you continue thriving one of the things they're doing with this study is looking at how those bursts of thriving last through the lifetime you know i thought christy i thought that was pretty interesting like how they're looking at kind of how is is it cumulative well, yeah, and they did look at all stages of life within this study, and I thought one of the more interesting things, and because I do have a, a young child at home, she's about nine months old, when you see them persevere, like start to crawl, then you can just see just on their face, they're just very happy about what they've done. Mm-hmm. I think she can't talk yet, so <laughs> she looks happy. I, I would imagine <laughs> that gaining mobility uh, is is a really key thing. One thing I did like, though, that you mentioned uh, as you were reading your fact is that it doesn't it's this isn't a planets all have to align thing like yeah. Jupiter doesn't have to align with Mars. It doesn't have to be the age of Aquarius. You can just have most of these things mm-hmm. and you're going to survive and thrive. Yeah. Why do you think that is like, is it just is it kind of that ebb and flow of all these characteristics? Or... Well, I think what they did was they researched people who were thriving and they found these traits in these people. And Most so, common yeah. traits. Yeah. Very good. Well, now we know the secret and everybody can thrive and we can sell it for twenty nine ninety nine and do seminars in every uh, small city uh, Marriott conference center. 
brilliant. Well, now it's no longer a secret because we've told them. Well, uh, sh- 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 yeah, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our second fact, and that fact this week is my fact, because I realized I've been going last, and that's not fair. Uh, My fact this week is that managing like a coach can lead to greater company loyalty, which can lead to greater happiness. And I never really had thought about it this way until I really started reading this article. And you wrote an article about it a couple years ago, Libby, in, in Live Happy Magazine about mentoring. Yes. But... But people in my dad's generation, like he's had, he's worked for three different companies in my lifetime. I've worked for five. And of course, that's over the same period of years. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit strange. Why is this younger generation, my generation and the one behind me not sticking around with a company? Well, it's because we are a generation that values learning, a generation that values advancement. And if you are the type of manager that can nurture those people, that can teach them the skills they need to get better and the skills they need to be a successful person within that company, they're much more likely to be loyal to you and thus the company and the culture of your entire company can lead to higher life satisfaction and certainly higher job satisfaction as well. What did you find about mentorship when you were researching this uh, for your article? Well, the, the mentoring thing works both ways. Um, for the mentee, they're obviously learning something. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the mentor, they're getting something out of it as well. A sense of purpose. They feel like they're doing something good for somebody else. Um, and when, when I did the story, oftentimes I would talk to people and the mentors um, felt better than even the mentees yeah. for, for doing that work. And so, and that can work both ways. And so that just creates a, a greater sense of happiness in, within your uh, culture of the office. And if you create great employees, then that's uh, less work for you because they can handle it. Um, <laughs> Paula, <laughs> have you had great mentors as bosses in your in your time? I mean, I know you're kind of an independent creative type, but uh, somewhere along the line, you've probably had a boss. Somebody did something with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I did. I I had. You know, I had better teachers in school than I had mentors mentors in the workplace. Mm-hmm. But um, I did always find somebody when I was working in office situations. At least there was always one person that I would turn to to kind of learn from, and and I think that does help a lot. I know, as as Chris alluded to, that whole idea of building loyalty. You know, if you have a connection with someone, it makes it more difficult to leave. You know, it's yeah, it's uh, it's going to help build loyalty in that sense because it's like you have a bond there and and it it becomes like a family type of thing and so i think that plays into it too if you can create those kind of bonds and that closeness um you have an appreciation for the bigger picture of what that company your company is trying to accomplish (laughs) it's also about teamwork too before before we end it uh, real quick um because when you build that that strong teamwork you're depending on each other Mm -hmm. and you don't want to let each other down yeah for sure well, you mentioned uh, high school teachers, and that reminds me of my high school teachers slash coaches, which to me were the greatest mentors I ever had. Uh, they, that's how they manage people was, we're teaching you how to be a better football player. I never became a better football player. They, they, they try as they might. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't just about football. It was about being a better human being, being a better, right. uh, in, in my case, being a better man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, those are the lessons I learned from them. I still don't know what a three technique defensive lineman really does, but I'll 
Let's move on to our third and final fact, and it's rather ominous, and it's from Paula. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about death is good for you. uh, In what way? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this was a a really interesting study that I found, and we're not talking about thinking of other people's deaths and how to kill off your enemies, but actually this study found (laughs) that thinking about death and and your own mortality can actually encourage you to, like, create a legacy and, and find more purpose in your life. I was going to ask about that. I think a lot more people these days are concerned about their legacy and, and, you know, what am I really contributing to the world? And if you think about, well, you've only got so much time, uh, does that improve it or does that just make you cower in fear? I don't know. But apparently this study, it says it makes you jump at the, the thought. Well, there are some people, the fearful ones, it it also had a surprising effect on because if they're if you're afraid of dying then maybe they're more they tend to like start changing habits like well maybe i shouldn't smoke this pack of cigarettes while i'm eating this pizza with bacon on it you know they're like why would you take such joy from people paula that's rude Because I'm just mean that That's way. That's true. <laughs> anyway, sorry, back to your but point. It, but it did say that, you know, they did find that people who feared their mortality when they started thinking about death and their longevity, they would change their habits on a fear-based level, um, which led to better health, except now they're scared. And then, <laughs> But the other ones, like the, the people who really changed when they saw, like, I have this amount of time, I'm not going to waste it. And they'd start doing things. They, they'd look at um, what can I do, whether it's creatively or, or whether it's financially, to leave this lasting legacy. So far, it's just been you and me talking about this, and Chris is over there contemplating his death. Uh, <laughs> like he's going to jump out the window here. Was, yeah. was there anything you wanted to add to oh, this? Well, Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, I guess unless you're the Highlander, uh, <laughs> death is the great equalizer. It's yeah. going to happen. So uh, maybe coming to terms with that um, takes some of that anxiety away and possibly uh, helps you live in the present. You know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we've had all kinds of talks about you know living in the moment and being mindful is is beneficial for you. So there's probably some correlation there as well. For sure. Uh-huh. 